Yamo. I'm Bo Spearman. Welcome to Frontier War Stories. Before I go any further, I've got some uh, good news for everybody. Today, the 25th of April, marks three years of Frontier War Stories and also Anzac Day as well. Uh, so three years ago, I uh, recorded episode one with Callum Clayton Dixon uh, and almost 150 plus thousand downloads later and 34 episodes, we're still here creating uh, uh, this podcast and also uh, yarning to amazing people who have created, who have uh, nurtured and who have put out amazing stories and important stories about our founding history, which, as I mentioned in the intro, was left out of the history books. I want to say a big thank you to everybody, uh, to all my guests, firstly, who have jumped on the podcast, and then also to all the listeners uh, who have shared, who have liked, who have donated, who have done everything to make this podcast what it is today. And um, I hope you all continue to support this podcast going into the future, because I can tell you now there are many, many stories out there that I haven't touched and that we are, we are yet to uncover. And I appreciate everybody coming on this journey. And I will continue this podcast uh, for, for, for everybody that appreciates uh, the work put into this podcast because these are stories that need to be told and I believe these stories uh, play a key role and, 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 and play a, uh, a foundation role in changing many things in this country and that starts uh, with conversations like this. So enjoy this episode uh, of Frontier War Stories. Welcome to Frontier War Stories. Before I go any further... I'd like to pay respects to the country on which this podcast is being made. I'd also like to pay my respects to all the listeners who are listening from different parts of this beautiful continent and from around the world. I'd also like to pay my respects to all Aboriginal people across this continent that fought in the frontier wars, which began as early as 1788 and lasted till the 1930s. That's roughly 140 years that Aboriginal people continued to fight and resist. I also like to pay my respects to all our mob across this beautiful continent today. Each episode, I speak with different Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people about research, books, and oral histories which document the first 140 years of conflict and resistance. These times are the frontier wars, and these are our war stories. from the Butchler Nation, uh, the founder and president of Butchler Men's Group, and also an important monument uh, that is being installed uh, this weekend and coming Anzac Day uh, up in Butchler Country. Uh, Uncle Glenn, just, just before we go any further, can you tell us your mob in your country, please? Uh, well, I come from uh, the Butchler Country, which is north of Brisbane, and um, our, our country... 
goes from uh, Barham Heads in the northwest down to Bothell Mountain. And if you draw a line across the Double Island Point from Bothell Mountain, um, all of that country in, in front of you, which includes um, the mainland with Meriburrah, Harvey Bay, Tyro, um, Chuan and those sorts of places. And it also includes Gari or Fraser Island, as most people know it. And, um, yeah, I was born here and grew up here and uh, came back here after I retired. Deadly unk. Um, and just really quickly uh, uh, for yeah, the listeners, uh, uh, on Saturday the 22nd of April, there is the unveiling of the Butchler Warriors Memorial. Um, off air, I was just young to unk, and he was saying this is 20 years in the making, um, and he's finally had the opportunity to present, to create, and to uh, add to uh, the Anzac War Memorial. This comes at a time where the National War Memorial in Canberra, uh, the new head of that, uh, Kim Beasley, is speaking about the exact same thing. You know, there's conversations around wanting to add First Nations frontier wars perspectives to the War Memorial, where in the past it wasn't even a discussion ready to uh, enter the door. Um, hopefully this is... Um, Times are changing where people want to engage more about the true history of this country. Uh, just tell us a bit about uh, this project that you have going. Yeah, well, as I said, you know, the seed was planted 25 years ago and it really gained momentum around five years ago when I was asked to do the Welcome to Country for the opening of a, a multi-million dollar monument in Maryborough called Gallipoli to Armistice. And Ironically, um, Brendan Nelson was then the head of the Australian War Museum and he was present, as was uh, Malcolm Turnbull, the then Prime Minister. And in my Welcome to Country, I talked about, you know, the Gallipoli to Armistice is about remembering conflicts, but reminded everybody there that nobody mentioned the conflict that began in 1788 and uh, took the lives of thousands of Aboriginal warriors across this country. And I made the point that, you know, we have um, war dead, but there's no Anzac days for our war dead. You know, there are no memorials around for them. And mm -hmm. Brendan Nelson was, was quite fantastic, and he's one of the best speakers around. And he picked up on my point and spoke about it for probably five or six minutes. And it was out of that that um, a young uh, journalist in Maryborough came to me and she said, why don't we do something about this? And so we started down the road of trying to raise the money to build a monument. And I had the support of the Fraser Coast Regional Council and um, we applied to the Queensland, um, what do you call them, Arts Queensland? Mm -hmm. And they had a uh, a round of funding for Indigenous art projects. And so we put the submission together and submitted it. And uh, you wouldn't believe it, the Aboriginal Arts Queensland Assessment Committee knocked us back. <laughs> <laughs> and so out of that, a lot of non-Aboriginal people came up to me and said, Glenn, we believe so much in this project this concept that we want to give you some money 
personally. And so non-Aboriginal people came to me and gave me money. Um, businesses in Narraburra came to me and gave me money. Our local member gave me money. And before too long, I'd, I'd raised half of them the money we needed. And mm. Fraser Coast Regional Council came to me and said, look, you've raised half the money, we'll cover the rest of the cost. Just before we go any further as well, uh, just a reminder for anybody listening, uh, we're talking about uh, War Memorial um, and we're talking about the acknowledgement of First Nations warriors and conflict in the first period, uh, which is known as you know the frontier or the frontier wars. Um, and by what you're saying, very surprisingly, like a lot of people got behind you, you know, First Nations mob, you know, non-First Nations mob really wanted to, you know, support this concept of truth-telling. Yeah, that's right. And I'd just like to say something, and I'm sorry if I offend you, but um, we don't use the, the North American term First Nations up here. We're Australian Aboriginal people. Yeah, all good, Uncle. All good. Um, all good, yeah. Yeah, and so... Uh, so you know, it, it, it's been a real journey of reconciliation. Um, tomorrow, when we unveil the monument, it, it's a big celebration of remembering those unknown bachelor men who, who died defending their country, but it's also a celebration of the reconciliation that's happened through you know, quite a large number of ordinary community people who worked with me and helped me to make this a reality. Mm, definitely. Um, and can you tell us a bit about, like, what you know of the frontier sort of conflict up in that part of the country? Well, it it would be the same, would have been the same here as everywhere else. And, you know, um, Aboriginal people belong to their land. Everything that's on the land is there for their use. And then suddenly all of these strangers turned up and um, brought all new animals into the country. Um, they started um, taking things without permission. Um, you know, the the values of two different cultures clashed quite early. Um, you know, there are a number of places around here where where conflicts happened. Um, you know, when when things happened. Aboriginal men are described as being treacherous, yet they were just uh, defending their country against the people who'd, who'd come in here. Mm. And, you know, in 1860, there was a massacre in the Maribara township site when the good citizens of Maribara paid John O'Connell Bly, the grandson of Captain Bly, to come up here and, um, and remove the Aboriginal people from the township of Maribara. He came and did that, and uh, the good citizens of Meribah rewarded him with a with an engraved sword. Mm. And I guess you know that they weren't really battles, but they were those people who were killed were still um, you know um, important casualties people. of the conflict. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and you said in the town centre, whereabouts did that occur in the town centre? Well, it's. It was pretty close to where the monument is in Queen's Park. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it was basically along the riverbank because all of the traffic in and out of Mirabara in those days was by, by watercraft. And so 
the the main business hub of the town in those days was down on the on the riverbank where the wharves and everything were. So where the monument is is actually um, the site where some of those people were killed. Like that's the thing. Like we forget that sometimes you know the the places that we live, uh, significant things happened. You know uh, to the local mob. You know, like up up here in Brisbane, you know, uh, in Post Office Square, opposite Anzac Park or Anzac Gardens here in the CBD of Brisbane, there's, you know, what is known as the gallows used to stand in Post Office Square. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the places yeah. where like Dunderley and many other first, many other uh, Aboriginal men and women and, you know, uh, non-Aboriginal people uh, were hung as well. Um, and, yeah. you know, and, and this is like, you know, uh, blows people's minds to, to know the fact that you know uh, such an important Aboriginal person was, was the last publicly executed person here, and for and, yeah. and and I guess in 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 their eyes for good reasons to pacify Aboriginal people. Um, yeah. And and how important was the local area, I guess, to the economy, to the to to the frontier as well? Like what 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 part did Maribara play? Uh, in that as well. So, and, and like, I'm guessing this is why they wanted to, you know, get rid of the blackfellas as well. Is that true? Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but in those early days, after Sydney, Maribara was the next biggest port on the eastern seaboard for white people. And so, you know, those early people came up the river, um, primarily looking for for timber. And then, uh, you know, the Maribara port provided an access to the Gympie Goldfield. And once people started coming in and out, they could see that it was good country for sheep. And, um, you know, it, it provided the, the, the doorway for people in, into the riches of Butchala country and Kabi Kabi country and Waka Waka country. They, they sort of just came in through Maribara and then um, spread south and and west and north. Mm. So it, it, it was really important role uh, this town played uh, in in I guess establishing that sort of you know pocket of of the country of what it is today. But then also in those times as well of sort of dispersing and getting rid of uh, the local mob as well. Uh, um, could you yeah, tell us um, a bit about the memorial? Uh, you, you spoke to us about, you know, uh, the generosity from locals, you know, uh, saying we want to be a part of this journey of truth-telling. What is the monument that you have and that you are going to unveil uh, tomorrow? And just remember, this will be played on Anzac Day, so if you were to say okay. what it was and, like, you didn't want to, this, like, you know, people would know after the event anyways. Yeah, look, I don't mind describing what the monument looks like, and it's, it's fairly simple. And it's... It's just three bachelor shields lying on the ground with musket ball holes in them. Mm. And, and it's lying on a, a one and a half metre square bronze ground plate that, repre- that has leaves and sticks and twigs on it. Mm. And it has the footprints of three men walking across it. Mm. And so we have three shields. Each, each shield represents one, each bachelor law. And, um, you know, it, it won't ever win any sculptural prizes, but I wanted it to be really simple and and show the aftermath of that first meeting between Aboriginal men armed with spears and white men armed with firearms. 
Mm-hmm. And that aftermath is three shields lying on the ground with bullet holes in them. Mm. And and so it's pretty simple. Mm. Like a simple, very visual for people to sort of understand what happened. Is there a reason why you, you, you picked the shields and the musket holes? Obviously to represent well, that early there. contact. Yeah, yeah, I sat there for a long time and thought about that first contact. What would have happened? And and the men would have thrown their spears and waited for spears to come back so that they could pick them up and continue the fight. But after they thrown their spears, they would have stood there and nothing would have happened. And then the next minute they were cut down by, by firearms and the shields would have fallen on the ground. So for me, it was... It was a, it was pretty simple. That was the aftermath of that first contact. The discussion around you know frontier walls and and truth telling um, over the last couple of years and 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 you know I guess uh, decades you know maybe somebody for somebody like yourself uh, you know has has the. The, the, the wanting of, of, of change or, or even truth-telling um, uh, surprised you in terms of how many, you know, uh, uh, non-Aboriginal people want to know and want to change uh, uh, what has happened in the past, what is happening now as well, and understand, you know, what we can do to change, you know, uh, the, uh, our future. You know, are more people willing nowadays to understand what happened to us in the past? Yeah, look, I think there's there's the pendulum started to swing the other way, and um, just through this process, I'm I'm quite surprised at the number of non-Aboriginal people who've come out of the woodwork and put their hand up and put their hand into their pockets and stood beside me and and not been afraid to be identified with this project. Mm-hmm. Mind you, Robert Owls, who owns the foundry where we where we had the 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 castings made, as has uh, had his eyes open to some of the, the the thoughts of some of his friends, and there's been some really negative comments made to him about mm. Aboriginal people, and from by people who he thought were his friends, and um, those people aren't his friends anymore. Mm, mm, mm. It's a funny thing, eh? When um, uh, you start hanging around blackfellas, you start to. Uh find out uh, who your real friends are and, you know, what their thoughts are on people once you find commonality in the other and, you know, uh, realise we have more in common than less other than, you know, the colour of our skin. Uh, Unc, yeah. you know, could you tell us the process in making the shields and also how you put the musket holes in? And, and, and are the shields, are they wood? Are they cast iron as well? Are they, you know, what are they made out of? Initially, I had to get a... A pattern. I had to get an idea from somewhere what the shields would have looked like, and so uh, my granddaughter got some images from the Anthropology Museum of the University of Queensland from Michael Ed mm-hmm. yeah, and yes. sent them up to me. Yep. And uh, I had a look at them, and I it gave me an image of what they would have looked like, and so I could see that the shield in the picture was made out of uh, palm wood. And so I came down to our property at Ravens Hill and cut down a cabbage palm and cut some cheeks off either side of that and, and proceeded to make the shields myself. And that took me quite a while. Um, then, you know, went around to the foundry and they uh, used the shields to make some moulds. 
and they um, had some trial castings. And when we were all pretty happy with the, the end result, they cast the three shields first. But before they did that, to get the bullet holes in them, um, we went out to the sporting shooter's rifle range outside of Maryborough. And there's some of the guys out there who still use black powder weapons. And so I got them to shoot the holes into the into the shield so that they were genuine bullet holes, mm. not something we'd drilled. Um, and we tried to make it as authentic as possible. All of this was done by four ordinary blokes from Narraborough. <laughs> that, that, that's the part that I'm proud of. We didn't have any artistic people involved at all, just myself. Uh, Robert Olds, who owns the foundry, and his two young apprentices. Mm. And so we, we we would sit down and talk about concepts and what we wanted to do next and what we wanted it to look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you tell us a bit about when they you know when you're at the shooting range and the 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 shields are there and they're, and they're shooting uh, with not muskets or black powder bullets? I think you you referred to them as like you know was there a sense of like oh wow this is what it may have been like when the mob, you know, came in contact with the first firearms that they ever saw? Like, Yeah, well, it, it was. And even though they were modern versions of of um, black powder weapons, like there was still a lot of smoke and there was still a lot of noise that that would have been in back in those days. And the main difference was we, we, were, we only had one person firing at a time, mm. whereas... In the old days, when our old people met white men with guns, there would have been multiple weapons firing. And for them, that first contact and that noise and that smoke must have been terrifying. So 25 years in the making, you know, a lot of kind-hearted people, a lot of hard work from yourself, a lot of dedication uh, across the board, you know, and come the 22nd of April, the oh. unveiling of this happens. You, you know, like, yeah, as you mentioned, you, 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 you did a welcome, you, you did a speech, and you said, well, what about us? Now that it's there, yeah. uncle, like, what happens next? You know, now, you know, um, you know, Kim Beasley wants to have a chat about frontier wars and add them into the National War Memorial. We have, you know, places like Mile Creek down home on my country where, you know, they, 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 you know, the, the both sides of, you know, the survivors and perpetrators come together. You know, we have these pockets of sort of important discussions, but for your little country up there, Unc, um, what's next in regards to this kind of conversation about truth-telling? Well, I just hope it's, it's the catalyst to start people talking, and um, it's great that Kim Beasley's interested, but I'm disappointed that the Prime Minister couldn't find time to come and be part of this ceremony. Um, you know, it, for me, it, it, it indicates that the Australian government still doesn't want to acknowledge that these wars happened and, you know, Aboriginal people have war dead and they need to be remembered. And, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed that uh, our, our Prime Minister couldn't find time, yet a former politician, Kim Beasley, has, you know, picked this thing up and is starting to run with it. And ultimately, I hope that he comes up to Mirabar and has a look at it and we get the chance to to continue or have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. But locally what's going to happen is that it's going to be included in the in the Gallipoli to Armistice 
walk. And the people from the Maribara Military Museum will um, take school kids to the to our memorial and talk to them about it after they've talked about the Gallipoli landing. Totally. So it's going to be incorporated into um, into an already existing educational facility. Mm. So as I said, you know, it's a, it's the start of something different and something new. Mm. You mentioned uh, your granddaughter got in contact with Michael Ed. You know, shout out to Michael Ed. Yep. You know, amazing, deadly historian. Um, and, and found the concepts for you to do the shields. Um, what was it like working alongside, you know, um, your granddaughter and, and, and knowing that keeping this type of history alive, um, you know, it's it sort of obviously it, it, it descends multi-generational, but, you know, um, I guess your granddaughter can say, look, I, I was a part of this. How does that make you feel? Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, my granddaughter, Georgia, she's got a fine arts degree, so... She understood straight away what we were trying to do. And, um, yeah, to have her make a contribution um, makes you pretty proud. Mm, no, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um, it's such an important thing to do, you know, and, and it's, it's small regional communities like this, I think, that always pick up the ball and run, you know, head on uh, with these discussions, as I mentioned, you know, uh, with, with with Mile Creek, uh, just a couple of days ago, they had the Appen Massacre Memorial uh, walk that they do. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's and there's many other sites around this country that are acknowledged and that are definitely not acknowledged. You know, these conversations, these uh, memorials, uh, these remembrance days are um, are and play a big picture you know, in um, you know, changing this nation and changing the narrative of, of how people, you know, uh, look at our mob, not just today, but, yeah. you know, look at our mob back then because they forget that or they think that we didn't fight and, you know, that's, um, you know, uh, a blatant lie because our mob survived yeah. these, these times yeah. and, you know, that's why we're here today. But, um, you know, um, if there's anything else that you want to share with us about this memorial, if there's anything else that's going on, please let us know. Yeah, certainly will. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about our our Bachelors Warriors Memorial. And mm-hmm. if anybody's ever in Narraburra, feel free to catch up with me and I'd love to take you down there and show you and talk about it. Well, next time I'm up there visiting my brother... And these little tribe, I'll definitely want to catch up with the unk and go down there, have a feed, and have a yarn, maybe another interview as well. Is is there anywhere online where we can follow or even just watch uh, the memorial on the twenty second of April? Um, not sure. Fraser Coast Regional Council uh, are running some stuff on their website. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, and, I'll, I'll have uh, a look. I'll have a look online, yeah. and if there's anything relevant to it, I'll make sure I add it to the link so people can watch. Uh, uh, yep. online after they yep. listen to this interview. Um, yep. But no, thank you for that, Unc. No, my pleasure. And, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. And that was Uncle Glenn Miller, proud Butchler man. Uh, we're yarning about the Butchler Warriors Memorial, Three Shields, created to start and continue an important conversation about what happened in our country and all over uh, this land, and that was Frontier Conflict. This is uh, episode 34 
And for anybody out there, just remember, if you want to support this podcast, you can become uh, a subscriber at the AB Club, which is Awesome Black's uh, Patreon or like subscriber sort of channel where you can support this podcast and many other podcasts that uh, Awesome Black does create as well. As always, um, this is Francie War Stories. A big shout out to everybody that tuned in and listened and that has been sharing this episode and the many other episodes of Frontier War Story. Awesomeblack.org Comedy, culture, fun. First Nations owned. Supported by you.